The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. Life Podcast. Thank you, folks, for joining us here today on the Crude Life Podcast. As always, our entitled intern, Provolone. Of course, we call him the entitled intern because his parents, who work own a modest oil and gas company, asked if we would take on Provolone as an internship so he could learn some accountability, some hard work, and how to be part of a system and know your role, if you will, because as Papa Oil and Gas, Papa OGC said to me, I believe my son is majoring in entitlement at the university. Provolone, welcome to the Crude Life Podcast. However, today you still are not able to speak. You're still under probation, if you will, from the first day when we tried to do just a light hazing a light initiation, if you will, about sometimes back in the day. See, back in the day when I would do radio, there's this thing still out there that it's called radio, but the podcasting world has uh, pretty much eliminated the word radio because radio shows are called podcasts now. And in essence, they are. But just getting through all of whatever I'm talking about at this given, given time, uh, back in the day, uh, my first show... Uh, I was not allowed to speak as kind of a first a write, a, write a passage, hazing, if you will. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a little sick, a little demented, a little twisted because you're part of the show. But at the same time, you know, you got to learn your role. you got to be respectful. But more importantly, actually, the, the real reason behind it wasn't so much hazing as it was so that the producer could understand the flow of the show, what the buttons do, what the different segments are coming up etc it was more of a just kind of keep your mouth shut keep your eyes on stay focused especially in the media anytime you're doing anything with the media you can see the twinkle and the sparkle just emerge in somebody's eyes once they get that first taste of it oh boy you can see the infection just spread and it's it's uh, very few people are immune to it. I, I was that way back when I first started back in the day. Now, of course, about ready to not, not do it as much. So here we are doing podcasts, which, by the way, this podcast is every day. And by every day, I mean Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. And it's only 30 minutes a day. Only 30 minutes. But yesterday's was 45 minutes. Because we're a podcast, we can just do that. We can say every day, and we can put it out Monday through Thursday with a weekend review on Friday, and that's acceptable. doesn't work that way in the radio, but it works that way in podcasts, so I say provolone. I am going to listen to you on that particular vein of my business, and we appreciate your knowledge and your insight very much. See, we listen to you, but sometimes... We're not going to. We're going to take your input. We're going to incorporate it into what we're doing, and we're going to move ahead. So, uh, Provolone, welcome to the program. Appreciate it very much. And let's take a look at what we've got going today. Well, I'll tell you what. Patrick Hartford with RP Oilfield Services will join us on the latter part of the program. We're going to talk about anchors in Wyoming, one of those 
regulation deals. He's been do, his company has been doing it for about 30 years. He's a second generation, second or third generation uh, oil man, Patrick Hartford is. We're going to talk about the evolution of safety, actually, and the double-edged sword that comes with it, the image, the perception. So a little bit of a uh, oil and gas update. I believe he's out in the Powder River, so we'll find out what's happening out there. But uh, anchors in Wyoming, there's uh, some regulations and some reminders, and we want to get into that. But we're going to dovetail into kind of the evolution of safety. I mean, hey, that's a double-edged sword because you can fear-monger your way into some real business pretty quick with the world of safety. Somebody out there telling you that the government's going to shut you down or somebody's going to get injured on the workplace. And if you don't buy my service for thousands and thousands of dollars, all that fear is going to come crashing on your doorstep. Just sign here. We talk about that because it's an easy way to make some money and you got to have some ethics out in the oil place out in the oil field. Sorry about that. Uh, let's take a look at what else we have going on today. We've got, oh, we've got our weekly oil and gas brief. It's a weekly oil and gas update with John Clark, the founder of Clark Energy Consulting. Looking forward to that. That's actually in just a moment or two here. John Clark, is he on the phone? Nope. He's, we're, let's just patch him in. Just provolone patch him in. He's got, he's got one of those advanced... Uh, Computer-to-computer computer microphone, uh, we've linked up deals because, oh yeah, no, John Clark is taking this oil and gas brief very serious. So that's why we are linking with him and partnering with him and uh, collaborating with him to get a weekly update on oil and gas. And I might even ask him a little bit about the uh, LNG market as well because Mexico is just salivating and waiting for our natural gas. And guess what? Over in Russia, they're building a pipeline to China. And it's like it's like the great amazing race. The great natural gas race is going on because natural gas ain't going anywhere. You only got one hydrocarbon, one dirty molecule. That's it. So even the environmentalists can't really go after natural gas. They're going to try and they are, but it's going to be around for the next 20, 30 years. So that is the one thing about fossil fuels with natural gas is it is it's it's people talk about a bridge fuel when you're talking about natural gas. Uh uh, it's the foundational fuel for the next twenty years, and I I just don't see any way around it. And if if you know a way around it, send me an email, Jason at thecrudelife.com. We'd love to have you on the program to talk about it because there's a lot of evidence that points to the thesis that I'm saying, which is natural gas is not a bridge fuel. It's a foundation fuel. So we can talk about that till we're blue in the face. And guess what? We can heat up our homes with natural gas and warm up when we're done. Okay, let's take a look at what we have for headlines here today. Provolone, what did we do for headlines today? Okay, oil and gas. Let me see this. You like that? Oil and gas company speaks out about drilling concerns okay another one of these oh michigan okay so folks this is before i even get into the story here oil and gas company speaks out about drilling concerns you're not sure which way they're going with this you're not sure is an oil and gas company now speaking out or are they speaking out against the drilling concerns mason michigan a company looking to drill oil and gas in Mason is speaking out after claims that the project would pose a health risk to the community. Jordan Development Company asked the state to approve their request to drill. 
So here we go, folks. It's happening once again that the Colorado blueprint is finding its way into other states. This is something I've been talking about for five years on the program. In fact, last summer when I spoke at several conferences, I would mention that we had two presidential candidates trying to ban fracking and oil and gas. Well, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, ha half the people in the audience were, were partying and, and not paying attention uh, on their company's dime. And this is what, well, while you were out having fun, Mason, Michigan is looking at banning oil and gas, just like a few nights ago in, in Broomfield, Colorado. Now, as an industry, we can get together and just have fun and have a good old time with each other. But while we're doing that, the people who are not involved in the industry are banning us. And this is happening in Colorado. This is happening in, in Michigan. This is happening in, in California. This is happening in New York. States like North Dakota and Texas, it's already rumbling in Austin, Texas, and Fargo, North Dakota. So this is real. Get ready for anything in 2020. That is our motto, our, our slogan, our, our media kit thing uh, for 2020. Get ready for anything. The environmentalists are using 16-year-old children with uh, disabilities. So you've got no, not only an argument against a child, but somebody with a disability as well. This is they're, they're, They've taken the gloves off. So get ready for anything in 2020. And what did you do last night? Because in Mason, Michigan, they're looking at banning another project. Superintendent Ronald, what is that, Derwicki? Sorry, Ronald Derwicki, uh, wrote a letter to Michigan Department of Energy. I'm sorry, Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy. So the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy on Tuesday, expressing their concerns about the gas in the well. So what they've done is they've basically found a way that Colorado is using public health, they're taking some things from California and New York, and they're putting it together as its own little customized package and putting it forward. So they're looking at doing some more restrictions and setbacks now in the state of Michigan. So, uh, folks, I'd pay attention if I were you. Um, I, I would really pay attention. I Here at The Crude Life, like I said, we've been following this for five years, and they're taking the same exact template that the smoking ban had. So it's it's got legs it's it's got a proven track record and it's got a history and here's the other thing they don't want to ban straws they don't want to try to work with the industry anymore they want to just ban the industry outright they don't understand that 50 to 70 percent of your taxes for the state government come from that they don't understand that 96 percent of the daily products that people use are made with fossil fuels they don't understand that they don't care Okay, yeah, you, you picked a good one today, Provolone. That's a pretty good one. So anyway, that uh, headline is available at thecrudelife.com under the show recap page. Another one here today. Oh, very good one. This is another angle that uh, the environmentalists are coming at the oil and gas industry. Air pollution from oil and gas production sites visible from space. This is from sciencedaily.com. Oil and gas production has doubled in some parts of the United States in the last two years, and scientists can use satellites to see impacts of that trend. A significant increase in the release of lung-irritating air pollutant nitrogen dioxide, for example, and more than doubling 
of the amount of gas flared into the atmosphere. ScienceDaily.com. Wow, that's some pretty uh, pretty loaded language in the opening paragraph here. Oh, and I see here why. The study is done by, the, by Barbara Dix, a scientist at the Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences at the University of Colorado Boulder. Well, now this makes sense because, uh, sure, that, that would make sense that Boulder would do a specific study that would be slanted against oil and gas out of the gate. So when you're specifically looking for something and you're getting federal tax money, trust me, you're going to find it so you can get more federal tax money. So I would much rather see a study done on earth changes because at one time we had Pangea and that was long before Exxon and BP and ConocoPhillips were around. And then Pangea turned into the United States and into North America, South America, Europe, etc. So I would like to see a study done on earth changes and how the earth has been impacting some of the climate and some of the changes being done because listen the magnetic pole has has moved in the last 60 years nobody talks about that i imagine that has got some kind of impact on at least the way the earth wobbles i know if you get closer to the equator gravity works a little bit different the temperatures work a little bit different and it has to do with the oblong shape of the planet and the way it wobbles that's just basic science but nobody ever talks about things like that instead Let's take a satellite. Let's see if we can zoom in on some colors because the colors indicate heat indexes or gases, etc. And then let's amplify it. So let's take the Mona Lisa and let's find one speck of dirt and dust on the Mona Lisa. And let's just focus on that and give me $100 million so that I can do that study. That's what I see when I see studies like this, especially when they use language like lung irritating air pollutant nitrogen dioxide. That's just, that is, uh, okay, where are we going next? Third one, and by the way, that headline, air pollution from oil and gas sites visible from space, that link is available at thecrudelife.com and our show prep page. All right, a third one, our fun one, Provolone likes to spice it up a little bit on the third one wwe hall of famer rocky johnson passes away oh i I know why you picked this one wwe is saddened to learn that rocky soul man johnson a wwe hall of famer former tag team champion and father of Dwayne the rock johnson passed away at age 75 Johnson's sports entertainment career began in the mid-60s when he made a memorable impression in the National Wrestling Alliance. However, Johnson found his highest levels of success when he began his WWE tenure in 1983. Okay, Provolone, I know why you picked this. WWE Hall of Famer Rocky Johnson passes away. And I'm very saddened by that because I, I did watch wrestling growing up. I, all my heroes Miss Elizabeth, George the Animal Steel, Macho Man. Oh, yeah, I watched all my heroes. You bet. Watched them all. But the real reason I know that you did this headline is because you know that I believe politics is about as close to pro wrestling as you can get. Instead of headlocks and arm bars, they got bullet points. They, got, they, they know what they're going to talk about with gun control and, 
and education. Just like you know that when you took on Rocky Johnson, his finisher was the drop kick. Can you believe that? Actually, Rocky Johnson, his finisher was a drop kick back in the day. Wow, now a drop kick is like a like a like a punch. A DDT isn't even a finishing move anymore. So anyway, I digress. Politics is just like pro wrestling. And that's why Trump is a master. Because Trump headlined WrestleMania, what, 20? And had two of them. 22 he headlined. And he had uh, WrestleMania 4 and 5 at Trump Plaza. So Trump understands pro wrestling. Understands the way the media works. Pro wrestling is a reflection of things. But you take a look at, in fact... The Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, their entrance, the 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 steam and and that music and and that the NBA never did that before. Pro wrestling brought that. You watch the NFL intro with the all all the pomp and the circum. That's pro wrestling. Professional wrestling has more of an influence on culture than people can understand, and I believe politics is no different. And Donald Trump, the only person that can beat Donald Trump, there ain't one politician that'll beat Donald Trump in the next election. But I'm on record two years ago saying this. The only person that will beat Donald Trump in the 2020 election is The Rock Dwayne Johnson. That's it. He's got more Instagram followers than there are people in the United States. He's, he's, he's loved by, by women. He's loved by men. He's, he's a, got a great smile. He's got charisma. And he's a bright guy. And you know what else? He's good friends with his ex-wife. I truly, and, and you know what? He's the only one that can improv and go toe to toe with Trump. But I, they, they come from kind of the same ilk. They're both. The Rock was courted as a Republican back in the day. Um, he turned it down, two thousand and eight. So who knows? But that's I, I'm on record saying that the only person that will beat Donald Trump in 2020 is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. If he decides to run, I mean, he'd announce it on Instagram and he'd start a new party, the People's Party. Be, it'd be the quickest overnight party, and there isn't anything any, anyone can do about it because he has enough of a personal media brand and, and, and outlet. It's, it's incredible. So interesting one today. So let's take a look at, once again, oil and gas company speaks out about drilling concerns. We're starting to see that Colorado blueprint in other states like Michigan now. Air pollution from oil and gas produces... Uh, sites visible visible from space oil and gas uh, production sites excuse me uh, that's another headline and then wwe hall of famer rocky johnson passes away all right so that's what we've got for our headlines today thank you very much provolone i appreciate your work on that and we're going to take a, a brief no we're not going to take a brief pause thank you yep we're going to keep going i appreciate that keep me on my toes here provolone because we're going to have our oil and gas brief coming up in just a moment here with john clark but first before we get into that i do want to mention today's sponsor today's sponsor is elite energy services their mission is to be the most honest and ethical trade partner of choice to deliver high quality cost effective projects on schedule by employing and supporting motivated flexible and focused teams Elite Energy Services values the importance of their relationships and will continue to remain fair and true to their dealings with all employees, clients, vendors, and partners. For more information, visit EliteEnergyServices.org or check out the Crude Life's podcast show page, and we've got the links right there. Elite Energy Services. Now let's go to John Clark with our Oil & Gas Weekly Update. 
well, Jason. How are you? Appreciate you joining the program here today. And also, I appreciate being a part of your weekly OG briefs as well. Uh, we'd like to get a oil and gas weekly update. And John Clark, founder of Clark Energy Consulting, is going to do that for us. And he has a weekly briefs, which uh, he aptly calls OG Brief. So we're going to find out what's going on in the O, which I assume means oil. And then we'll find out what's going on in the G, which I assume means gas. So John Clark, how are you doing today? Doing well, Jason. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for asking. And let's start off with the O side of things. What's the weekly brief in oil? Well, uh, Every Wednesday, the EIA releases their weekly report of inventories. And so uh, the, re the report for the week ending last Friday came out this morning. The analysts expected a 400,000 barrel build, and the EIA actually reported a 2.5 million barrel draw for last week. So the inventories were down uh, following the oil price. We actually saw it sell off a little bit this morning, dipped below $58 a barrel, but uh, leveled off somewhat compared to what we saw last week uh, as uh, General Soleimani uh, and oil prices reached $65 a barrel and ultimately sold off. We dipped below $60 per barrel for the first time this year. And actually today, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC, uh, released their monthly oil market report. And it actually stated that they they increased their forecast for 2020 world oil demand growth by 140,000 barrels. So they expect there to be a growth of around 1.22 million barrels per day. And they also nudged their global economic growth forecast to 3.1% for 2020. Uh, while cutting their production growth estimate, by a slight 34,000 barrel per day mark to 2.17 million barrels per day. Uh, so that's interesting. And I think there's a few dynamics. I had a chance to read through it briefly. Uh, we'll, we can cover this more next week as well. But uh, OPEC sees oil prices um, or oil demand growing as a result of a strengthening global economy. Um, net, tomorrow, the International Energy Association, or IEA, they'll release their monthly oil market report, and so we can talk more about that next week. These are two reports I follow every month in addition to the weekly inventories number and uh, gives a little bit of an idea on supply and demand. You know, we, we hear a lot through traditional media channels about supply, and the over, especially with shale supply being so strong. We don't always hear about demand, and these two reports are good indicators of demand and kind of the global economy. John Clark, founder of oil, founder of the Clark Energy Consulting. Sorry, the um, OG brief. I got oil and gas weekly update, which I, I always forget to mention. That's what we're doing right now. It's the Crude Life Oil and Gas Weekly Update. John Clark, the founder of Clark Energy Consulting. Just giving us the oil part, the O of the weekly OG brief that he does, puts out with his organization. Now I'd like to transition to the gas side of things. You know, you mentioned the demand side. Of course, 
Mexico has just been waiting for us to open up our pipeline so we can get some natural gas down there. So natural gas is in demand, but these pipelines need to get built. Um, I'm not sure what your uh, uh, microchasm and the, and the weekly report says of the uh, gas update. I know what the existential and the 5,000 foot view is, but what's going on on the weekly update on the gas side of things? Well, natural gas is um, pricing is dictated a lot in the winter on temperatures and uh, obviously natural gas being a uh, heating component. And then in the summertime, a power generation source, uh, oftentimes in the winter when these cold uh, spells break across. I know last week, uh, I think it's it, we had tornadoes in Texas and it snowed in Dallas. So uh, <laughs> and it's about 75 degrees in Houston today. So go figure. But uh, we saw uh, yesterday nat gas uh, about two and a quarter. It sold off slightly today. We're sitting at about two dollars and 12 cents. Uh, I think that, um, you know, the weather and, and will dictate price, but we should, we should, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see natural gas go below $2. Uh, we may, you know, we may see 250 later this year, but, um, it's hard to say, to say with the way weather swings sometimes. How's the weather in North Dakota there, Jason? 20 below today. No kidding. Wow. I know it's. I'm absolutely not kidding at all. You know, one of the things in in North Dakota that uh, happens quite a bit is uh, the governor has to waive uh, driving restrictions when it comes to hauling propane because of uh, agriculture. You know, the the grain drying and and crop grind, drying and that sort of thing. That that's another element of natural gas. That if some pipelines and some. Um, um, I call it the uh, smart, clever science projects that they have going on at these different well sites and just some other things. There's just so many uses that natural gas can get used for. I, I, it's, it's a shame that it's, it's three bucks um, for the companies out there. I get it for, you know, it's nice to heat your house for 100 bucks a month and 50 bucks a month and that sort of thing. But on the flip side of things, it's a, it's a shame to see all that natural gas wasted out there when there's so many different... Uh, uses for it but anyway it's um we're not going to solve that problem today but it is cold up here today hey to answer your question it's 20 below <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah you know actually something interesting in the news recently russia announced a new gas pipeline they're building a 400 billion dollar investment to send gas to china and it's interesting uh you know natural gas especially in Asia, is, is always in demand for power generation. And the switching from coal to cleaner natural gas is is kind of really the future. But it's taken some time to get there. Russia's always had a hold on Europe uh, as far as power generation. And uh, now this gas pipeline uh, will help Russia diversify. Uh, but it's also changing the commercial side for LNG exports to to be able to be sent to Europe, uh, which is interesting. The, you know, LNG and, and a company like Chenier here out of Houston, um, they've been working on many terminals in Louisiana and, and Houston to, uh, to send that gas. Um, they're starting to, to make, uh, you know, positive cash flow. And, and I think the market for LNG is interesting. Another topic that I'll be covering in more detail this year is 
something called IMO 2020. It's uh, the International Maritime Organization has actually re- uh, changed their requirements for marine vessels. They must reduce their sulfur uh, content of their fuel from previously three and a half percent to half a percent. And that was effective January 1st of this year. Uh, and there's a couple ways that they can do this, either by installing scrubbers in those vessels or by uh, mixing distillates with uh, or other low sulfur fuels. Uh, and then the third option would actually be using LNG uh, for as a transport fuel. So an interesting time. Um, you know, there's actually a fun fact. There's more, the, there's more oil. The weight of the oil that's transferred across the oceans is actually more than the weight of all the fish in the sea. So that's how big we're talking about. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the recent attacks in the Middle East, uh, I think the forecast for this year, which I'll be talking more about next week, uh, my outlook for 2020, uh, there is a component of geopolitical risk and, and, and obviously what's going on in the Middle East. So uh, stay tuned for that. John Clark, founder of Clark Energy Consulting. Yeah, I tell you, once once the pipelines down in Texas, the Permian, Corpus Christi, over in even to Louisiana, Lake Charles, when those processing petrochemical plants get finished, you know, when those investments come to fruition and that pipeline gets opened up to Mexico and you're going to start to see uh, a whole new market open up. You mentioned the the Russia-China pipeline, that's going to change everything. Natural gas, in my opinion, is about the safest investment when it comes to fossil fuels and almost any energy, actually, because uh, I just saw a today where another solar plant, they're shutting down because they figured out that they can't make it work and they can't um, ha- have any use for it now because the technology is too old and wind energy is having its issues as well. And um, coal and crude oil have, have been fighting their battles and everything. Natural gas, though, you only got one hydrocarbon there. So, I mean, you're pretty clean. You're pretty clean. And, and that's, I think, going to be the, the kind of the compromise. And you're going to see natural gas over the next 20 years um, not only be a steady investment, but I think it's going to be a, a really good climber, slow and steady. It's going to be one of those steady eddy ones that's just going to, you know, the McDonald's and Coke, if you will of uh of 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 their particular industries i don't know if you got any comments on that but that's kind of my 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 five thousand foot view of um where where the ong is is kind of looking right now absolutely and you know i i recall when i first went into the oil and gas industry in 08 uh i, I recall natural gas prices being almost ten dollars in mcf and and then we discovered shale in the Barnett and in the Marcellus, and now we're awash with natural gas. But it's it's uh, abundant in in our country, and and it's a clean, cheap energy source. The rest of the world is, you know, ma- the majority of the world is still burning dirty fuels like coal and, and even oil in some parts, and or some places don't even have energy. And I, I really see natural gas as being an uh, you know a solution, and, and not just a bridge fuel but a destination fuel for the future all right how can people get your report how can people subscribe how can people utilize your services uh go ahead and give yourself a plug for 
uh, what services you provide, how you make uh, money on a regular basis. And then you mentioned it's a, it's a weekly OG brief. So I imagine there's some sort of uh, social connection or some sort of newsletter involved or email address. So let's, let's uh, hear all the different uh, variables so people can stay informed. Yeah, you can visit ClarkEnergyConsulting.com. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. Uh, I'll be providing market research and commentary specifically for investment consulting and industry professionals focused in oil and gas. My background, I'm a petroleum engineer. I follow oil price and gas prices pretty regularly. Uh, I'll be providing some commentary on on that, a kind of global picture, and uh, happy to uh, hear your feedback and some topics you'd like to hear as well. So please reach out and uh, um, looking forward to continuing to talk on the crude life with Jason Spies. And that was John Clark with the Oil and Gas Brief. John Clark is the founder of Clark Energy Consulting. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Patrick Hartford with RP Oilfield Services about anchors in Wyoming and the evolution of safety. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Podcast. We'll see you in about 30 seconds, folks. Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects groundbreaking the davis refinery patrick hartford with rp oilfield service inc out of rock springs wyoming outstanding thank you patrick hartford rock springs that's right on the interstate isn't it on the western side of the state right through the i-80 corridor yep yep okay i've I've driven through there many many times uh taking that taking that route through there uh well welcome to the program here the crude life thank you for joining us today i wanted to ask you about something that popped up on social media i think it was linkedin specifically and anchors in wyoming and you know uh that kind of got my attention a little bit on you know what it is how that's related to the oil and gas industry and what you guys are doing that made you affiliated with it so uh patrick hartford how are you doing today good how you been you know, not too bad. You know, we're getting ready for 2020. It's already started, and it's it seems to be a pretty important year. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that in just a moment or two, because you know, with the the election the way it is, and Colorado's already got the war drums beating loud there, and you're in Wyoming, and man, business is good in Wyoming, and North Dakota's still put, pumping out a million plus barrels, and Texas is Texas, so. Um, Anchors in Wyoming, what's what's that all about, and uh, how's that affiliated, and how are you guys affiliated? So I guess the, the long short of that is, uh, you know, every time a, a workover rig or completion rig or pulling unit, whatever you want to call them, pulls onto a location in the state of Wyoming, they got to tie off to uh, guy line anchors. And all those really do is support that rig. It's more of a making sure it doesn't topple over in the wind, because... I know if anyone that's been in this area, especially southwest Wyoming, we get a little bit of wind here and there. <laughs> little, yeah. It's good kite weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's it's just another safety precaution that they take. And uh, it's it's an inch and a quarter rod. They can run anywhere from 6 feet to 12 feet long. And there's expanding, expanding flour on the bottom of those. And uh, that's what they tie off. 
the rig too is for those anchors, like I said, and that just kind of helps stabilize the rig, whether you're pulling a lot of weight or in a high wind situation, it kind of keeps keeps the rig safe and, and make sure everyone around can do their job in a safe manner. And I should mention too, and I, I didn't preface this very good, that this is um, this was a, a, a social media post put out by the Wyoming Oil and Gas Industry Safety Alliance. And what they're doing is basically reminding people about these anchor testing concerns and you know, some of the OSHA requirements, et cetera. And you guys have over 30 years of experience, you're saying, huh? We do. It's And it's kind of, you know, setting and testing safety anchors in the oil field is kind of, uh, you know, it's it's not talked about a lot. and It's kind of something that just goes under the radar that isn't a big concern. It's not something a lot of people think about when it comes to, you know, planning your location or, or bringing rigs in, but um, in my opinion, it's one of the, the most important safety precautions you can take when you're going to go and do any type of intervention work over at Wellhead. I think right now, and this is a whole new topic, in fact, I might even bring this up um, as a topic thread for future shows, because uh, one of the things I've been keeping an eye on is like the chemical uh the chemical industry really had a lot of snake oil salesmen come out of nowhere and they, you know, they had some great salesmen and it really caused a lot of industry, some problems and the Texas oil field, uh, the railroad commissions dealing with it down there because uh, the oil companies are on the hook. Basically the, the chemical service companies aren't, you know, the, the whatever's are and that sort of thing. I was getting that feeling with safety because, boy, I tell you, there was a lot of fear-mongering stories coming out and safety this and safety that. And I, I remember thinking, going, the oil field industry I've known it was is pretty proactive on things, and they're not big braggers on things. And so I would look at something like, you know, 30 years of experience with some safety as uh, that that must really speak volumes is what I get, I'm getting at. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't know your comments on what I said about the chuck and jivers, but it just certainly seems like uh, I think there's more people talking about safety and they're doing it in a way to basically profit on it as opposed to inform. Does that make sense? Or yeah, did that, I, that, yeah. yeah, no, no, it does. And that's kind of the, the double-edged sword on that. It, yeah. It's like you said, you, from as long as I've been in the oil field, safety has been, you know, at the forefront. Um, so I'm, I'm not very old. I'm only 30 years old this year, but I've been around oil and gas my entire life. Um, my family has, <clears throat> my dad just retired from a 40 year career in the oil and gas field. Both my siblings are tied into it in one aspect or another. So it's just kind of been a, in our blood and the safety culture of it, like you mentioned before, is just something that's been ingrained with us. And, like you said, it's not something that you brag about or you hear a lot about. It's just kind of been part of normal operations for as long as I've been around it. Well, and a lot of it, too, is, you know, I, I, I make no secret about it. I grew up in the ag world, so I'm a little more familiar with the energy side. But there is some parallels there, and, and there is some commonalities and some respects part. And a lot of people don't know this, but the ag industry was actually the most dangerous for years and years. And I still think it might be the number one in terms of work place fatalities but a lot of times the unfortunate double the double-edged sword is the other side of that is you know you get some new safety precautions and requirements out of that and one of the reasons that the oil and gas industry is so 
proactive is because it saves lives. This, this is not, you know, this is not for, you know, it looks this way and we need to look, you know, make sure it has roses and puppies and kittens. No, it's because it saves lives. And, and these lives are people that are leaders in communities. So they understand kind of the impact behind that. But um, 30 years, yeah, so you must have heard a few stories growing up. Yeah, a, a couple here and there. Yeah. Where are you guys doing business now? What's that? Uh, where are you guys doing business? Just Wyoming, or um, do you got other states? Mo- mostly Wyoming, and then uh, we do dip down into Colorado here and there. Um, the easiest way I explain it to, to my customers and, and anyone asking is you, you draw a 100-mile radius around Rock Springs, Wyoming, and I could have crews in any direction any day. Okay, and uh, Rock Springs, that's over in the Powder River on the west side of the state. I, I've seen reports where they're looking at 30 years of uh, energy activity that's going to happen there. Yeah, we're, Rock Springs is kind of centrally located. Uh, you know, we have the, the Table Rock Field and obviously Wom Sutter uh, area about 50 miles away on, on I-80, which has been a, a huge um, gas producer for the past decade or two. We're right, right within range of the Jonah Field, which I'm sure everyone's heard about. Um, and then, you know, you head north towards Fontenelle and the Barge area in Wyoming, where they've been drilling oil wells since the early 1900s, and they're they're still going. So we're kind of right in the heart heart of Southwest Wyoming as far as oil and gas exploration production goes. Oh no, kidding! You guys are right. Aren't you right down the road from Little America and, and of course, Green River? Who can forget Green River if you're in the oil and gas area? But isn't that Little America just right down the road from you guys? Little America, I believe, is about thirty miles okay. uh, west of here. Yeah, it's it's quite a gas station. That's where I got um, uh, cheddar, sour cream, and onion, and salt and vinegar flavored crickets for my son's uh, Easter basket one year. I thought, you know, yep. I'm, I'm going to put some crickets in there. Why not? And uh, make sure. Okay, so uh, outstanding. Um, what do you guys make for 2020 this year? Is um, You know, uh, you mentioned you do some business down in, in Colorado. Are you hearing anything for what they have going on with some of the proposition stuff? Is it uh, is it getting um, difficult to work in the industry? Are you getting sneers at the schools? <laughs> I mean... I, I follow, yeah, we do. We, we follow a little bit of the, of course, the Prop 112, and, you know, you're reading now they're trying to bring some of that stuff back on a new ballot, and and we follow that stuff. It doesn't affect us quite as much as, uh, you know, maybe over by Cheyenne area when you dip down into Fort Collins mm-hmm. and Denver, kind of in that, in that basin. It doesn't affect us too much. Um, we got a couple smaller gas fields uh, just south of the Wyoming border kind of in the Hiawatha area, we do some work for some customers. So it, it does impact us to a point, um, but we're not in the heart of where they're drilling and, and actively trying to grow and expand fields right now. So um, doesn't, it doesn't impact us as much as some of those other companies on the other side of the state. So really it's just the television and the media um, that is kind of anti-energy in, in your guys' communities. It's like It's like that in western North Dakota where – if you live in an oil and gas town in a community, pretty much everybody's, it, you know, they're, they're, they're cool with it. <laughs> they're good with it. They, they, you know, the cafe owners to the churches, to the salons, everybody seems to be okay well, it, with it. Yeah. Well, it, it creates, you know, it, it makes your economy better the whole way around. You know, if, if you're drilling oil and gas wells, you have people going to work and, you, you know, you're making a, a pretty dang good living doing that. 
and those people go out and they support the community. And just from what I've been involved in the oil and gas, you know, community is uh, they like to give back to where they're at. We, we do a lot of outreach and, um, you know, programs around here, just the Rock Springs community, as far as fundraisers and things like that. So when you're drilling and not, not to mention even just the state revenue and the royalties, but it really impacts everyone. Whether you're actively in it or not, it, there's a there's a positive economic impact for, for everyone around. You mentioned you're 30 years old. Um, do you find that people your age are, do they have a perception of, of, of your job? I mean, do you have to defend yourself at all, or do you pretty much just stick, or, stick around that side of the state and every, everybody's okay with um, the energy industry? The reason I bring that up is, you know, I was in, Fort Collins about five years ago, and I started noticing people would look over the shoulder before they'd mentioned they worked in the oil and gas industry. I've noticed it, it's kind of different, like you said, depending on where you're at, especially in the state. Um, Wyoming is a is heavy on energy. Not only do we have, like I said, oil and gas, but we have a lot of uh, in our area Trona mining and soda ash, along with coal producers. So we're a very energy dependent state that's where we get a lot of our revenue and our, and our taxes from and that funds a lot of our programs so southwest wyoming is very favorable of of energy um i did get my uh degree in business management from the university of wyoming on the other side of the state laramie which like i said is by cheyenne closer to fort collins and kind of as you move that direction you do have that that split between the, the people that see the good that it can do and, uh, um, you know, making sure that we, we do things the right way. And then there's always going to be some of those people that just don't, they don't understand it. And, you know, they just kind of believe everything they see on the news or believe everything that they hear and, and look at these oil spills and everything like that and just assume that's how the industry operates. But when you look at it, you know, they're actually very efficient. They're very environmentally conscious. And we do a lot of things to make sure that we keep, you know, our state where we live clean. Patrick Hartford, RP Oilfield Services. Uh, just kind of wrapping up a little bit. What do you want people to know? What do you want people to remember? What's um, some of the takeaways you want people to uh, have from this interview? You know, this, um, this, this oil and gas industry, um, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. From my experience, it's a lot of hardworking people that are out here to feed their families, uh, make a good living, and grow grow the economy and do good by their local community. And I think it's a tight-knit group no matter where you go. And um, there's obviously that influx. You know, the baby boomers are kind of – they're retiring and moving their way out, and kind of more of my generation is coming in. I think when we're making some exciting changes with using new technology, looking at things from a different perspective – and hopefully still hold on to some of that hard work ethic and accountability that we can all incorporate and, and keep this, this whole industry growing. To listen to the full-length interview, visit thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's podcast, the Crude Life Podcast. I'd like to thank Patrick Hartford from RP Oilfield Services for coming on today's program and also John Clark, the founder of Clark Energy Consulting, 
for giving us our oil and gas weekly update. Of course, he calls it the OG Brief, and you can get that on his website and his company as well. Provolone, you cheesehead, good job today. I wrote that one down at the beginning of the show. I've been waiting all show to use that for you. You like that play on words? Again, we have social media. We have online. We leave comments, likes, shares, all that different thing. We'd appreciate it very much. Thecrudelife.com and click on the social media page. We've got uh, Facebook and YouTube and, and LinkedIn, all kinds of different social media outlets you can follow and like. We have them uh, by Shale Plays as well as The Crude Life as well. Uh, every day, this is a 30-minute daily podcast. Of course, every day is Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday. And by 30 minutes, sometimes it's going to be 40 minutes or 50 minutes or 36 minutes. It's gonna we got a little flexibility, and we like that here, but we do need to also have some marketing language. So apparently that works in the podcast world, so we're cool with that. Also, the Crude Life clothing. If you click on the Crude Life, you can check out our clothing line. And we are proud sponsors of Johnny Green, the Earth's champion, who won the championship belt in the greatest environmentalist on Earth, on planet Earth. They had a tournament, and Johnny Green won with his platform. And part of his platform, which we supported and we sponsored, renewables ain't doable without fossil fuelables. We liked what Johnny Green had to say, we sponsored him. He won the Earth's Championship belt, and so he is the Earth's Champion. And uh, you can click on that as well on our website. We have links to that. So once again, uh, John Clark and Patrick Hartford, thank you very much. Provolone, appreciate it. Folks, we'll, we're going to do it on Monday. Tomorrow's our Week in Review. We will be back Monday. We'll be here tomorrow with a Week in Review, but Monday with some new insights, some new thoughts, and some new banter from the voiceless Provolone. Hopefully, he'll be able to talk by Monday. All right. From the staff here at the Crude Life Podcast, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. The Crude Life, every Monday through Thursday with a week in review on Friday.